Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. We've been talking the past few weeks about fall gardening and overwintering our garden, um, but some of your gardens may already be done for the season. You may have seen your first hard freeze or even had your first snow. Um, some of us, like me, still have gardens that are just now finishing up. We've had our first killing frost, and so anything that wasn't protected um, certainly has died off at this point. But it also bounced back up to 70 degrees the past couple of days, and so anything that was protected is still growing strong right now. Um, and in some of you, you may be in areas where your garden doesn't see a, a hard freeze, or at least the ground doesn't freeze up. Your stuff just basically goes dormant. Now, today we're going to talk about the three things that you should do at the end of your season to get your season off to the best start next year. These things are going to help you better prevent and manage pests and disease in the garden, as well as helping build a better soil microbiome to improve your yield. And I'll finish up with one more thing I do here that many home gardeners don't realize they can and should be doing in their own spaces, whether it's in in-ground beds or in raised beds. So let's dig into my three tasks that you should not skip at the end of the garden season. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. So before we jump into this episode, I want to first read a lovely five-star review that uh, this podcast received over on Apple Podcasts, and the title is A Friend in the Garden, and it says, Karen has kept me company in my garden all season long with a wide range of topics that have helped me continue to grow my new love of gardening. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, wisdom, and humor with us all. And that is from Caitlin, and she is at Wild Rose Farmer. Caitlin is also the host of the Rural Woman podcast, which so it's uh, very exciting that she left me a review, and I highly encourage you to go listen to her podcast. Um, you too can support this podcast by leaving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, which helps the rankings of this show, which helps more gardeners like you find this community. And even if you're not an Apple user, um, you can download the Apple Podcasts onto your computer and leave a review that way, which is what I've had to do to support my favorite shows by leaving a review. I also want to let you know that this podcast is a part of Positively Farming Media, which is a group of creatives um, in the food and ag space. We all have an eye on sharing stories that connect us to each other and connect us to our food and to the people who grow that food. You can listen to podcasts by some of the other creatives in that group, like um, podcasts like the Joy Farmer podcast, the Diversity Imperative, Kind of Hippie, Kind of Hood, and the Rural Woman podcast by going to the Positively Farming Media playlist on Spotify, and I will leave a link to that playlist in the show notes. Now, let's head into the garden, shall we? 
All of these tasks I'm going to talk about apply whether or not you're gardening in in ground beds or in raised beds or in containers. You just might need to modify how you perform these tasks a little bit, and I'll mention some specifics in those instances. The first thing we should all be doing when we finish up our gardening season, whether everything is winter killed or it just goes dormant, is to clean up any and all debris. Of course, this starts with any dead annual plants. If you still have some fruits on the vines or um, anything, harvest those first. There are all kinds of things you can do with green tomatoes, and immature peppers can be used just like their full-sized brethren. Um, immature eggplant can also be used, and cucumbers and squash can be used at any stage, and so can the tiniest little specimens of cauliflower and broccoli. So pick everything that you've got still left out there, and I promise you, you can find a use for it. Um, maybe try your hand at an end-of-garden pickle recipe. You can find plenty of examples of that online, or um, you can use what I do, which is the classic Ball Blue Book of Preserving recipe for end-of-garden pickles. Um, in any case, Pull all the fruits and the vegetables from the garden, and then you want to remove all of the spent plants. There's really no sense in keeping any of those annual plants out there that aren't going to produce anything else. In fact, leaving those plants in place is a really good way to harbor disease and pests. Now, you may think that leaving those plants in place and allowing them to compost down into the soil would be a good way to contribute to soil fertility. And you might be right if your garden wasn't a managed system. In the wild, natural systems rely on that degradation of biological matter into the soil to feed the soil microbes um, and to build soil nutrients. But that is a really many-layered system, right? And so we generally don't duplicate that system in our gardens. We're growing specific plants that may or may not have any supporting characters growing right alongside them. And this is why pests and diseases are so easily invited into the garden. Even if you're interplanting, it just really can't duplicate a natural wild system. And so your invaders are going to invade. Um, your best bet is to pull all those spent plants, removing them from the garden space completely and then putting them in your compost pile. Now, the exception to composting is any plant that showed any sign of disease during the season. So in our area, I never compost my tomato plants or anything in the squash family. They always have seen some sort of disease during the season, whether it's early blight or septoria leaf spot on the tomatoes or powdery mildew in the squashes or the cucumbers. Diseases are often able to persist in the soil, and that includes your compost. So dispose of any diseased plants and then just compost the rest. And as a side note, no, your compost pile likely won't get hot enough to kill off any of those diseases. Um, most home compost piles are really passive, and they don't get to the temperatures that are high enough to kill off diseases and weed seeds like a commercial composting facility does. And even if you don't plan on using that compost in your garden the next year or even ever, diseases can still travel on wind, through water, on your shoes or, or on your tools. So honestly, it's just really better safe than sorry. Don't put them in the compost pile. Now, the only exceptions to, to make 
um, in leaving spent plants in the garden is any that have flower heads with seeds or sturdy plants that will support native wildlife throughout the winter. So this includes mammals and birds and insects um, and anything that can be used for food or shelter. So say you grew sunflowers or you allowed all of your onions or things in the allium family to flower. Those are great for birds like finches and sparrows to feed on throughout the wintertime. Um, any plants that have hollow stems, like anything in the Asteraceae family, can provide shelter for beneficial insects. Other than that, anything else that's not actively growing or being protected to overwinter should be pulled. If you have fruit trees in your garden, be sure that you remove and destroy any of the old fruit mummies that might be hanging in those trees and pick up and destroy any of the fallen nuts. Old fruits and nuts can harbor tree pests. Um, it's also very important to get rid of any of the pruned tree branches because those can also be infested with disease or borers. Um, bark beetles are infamous from, for emerging from infested branches in the late winter or in the early spring. So be sure to get rid of any prunings as soon as possible. Removing plant debris also includes removing weeds. Um, it'll likely be a little bit easier now because they've died or they've gone dormant, but it's still super important to get those weeds and their seeds and any remaining root structures that may spread underground the following year out of the garden. This is a great time to use a flame weeder if you have one. It is one of my favorite weeding tools. Um, removing all the plant debris and then flaming over the top of the soil will help to incinerate any wayward weed seeds that might survive the winter and then germinate in your garden in the spring. Now, garden debris doesn't mean just plant debris. Um, you should also be removing any temporary support structures like trellises or cages or posts um, and cleaning those up before storing them for the winter. These structures can also harbor diseases. So rinsing them with a bleach water solution or hydrogen peroxide and allowing them to air dry before putting them away will go a long way toward preventing diseases from spreading the following year. If you're a container gardener, you should be doing this with any of the containers that get emptied and stored away for the season. Clean them both inside and out to remove disease residue and any insect eggs or larvae. Um, this is also a good practice to follow for your garden tools as well before you put them away. Other debris includes anything that's been stacked up in and around the garden, like bags of mulch or soil, um, seedling pots and other supplies, piles of support poles or wooden stakes, leaves and any other natural debris removed from the garden or the lawns or anything that's piled up. These piles of stuff just make a safe haven for garden pests to overwinter in. Now, of course, we're always thinking about the native good bugs, right? Piles of sticks and bark mulch and leaves and other things like that do help native insects, but they also make a happy abode for garden pests that overwinter as adults like squash bugs. So this is where it comes in handy to know the types of insects that you're dealing with and understanding their life cycle a little bit. So if you've had any problem with a particular pest that you're trying to combat, do a quick search to find out its life cycle. This is going to tell you whether or not you can allow some of this natural debris, like the leaves and twigs and stones and such, to pile up and help out the native pollinators um, and the native predators too, um, or whether you should be on the safe side and just simply remove them. 
I'd like to thank my patrons over on Patreon for supporting this and every episode of this podcast. Patrons of this show get access to exclusive content on the Patreon page, bonus hotshot episodes, monthly live Q&A sessions with me, Just Grow Something merchandise, and more. But above all, they get my undying gratitude for helping make this podcast possible and helping me reach for bigger goals like stipends for guests, improved software and equipment, bonus content, and more. If you'd like to support the show by becoming a patron and also receive my undying gratitude, head over to patreon.com slash just grow something or use the link in the show notes. Now, once you've gotten all the garden debris removed, it's time for step two, and this is to prepare your soil for next season. This really should start with a soil test. Grab a basic tester kit from the garden center or follow the instructions for submitting a test to your local extension agency or you even use an independent company that does soil testing. This will give you an idea of if you need to amend your garden beds with anything specific or make any adjustments to the pH or if you can get away with just adding some compost and leaving it be. In any of these cases, the adjustments are going to be much more effective if done now and allowed to work into your soil than if you wait until spring and start trying to make adjustments then. Adding nutrients in the way of fertilizers can be done at the last minute prior to planting in the spring, but you also run a higher risk of burning your plants if it's done wrong. And trying to adjust the pH too quickly can often result in too wide of a swing in acidity or alkalinity, which destroys the microbiota in the soil in the process. Amending in the off-season, though, gives those amendments time to work into your soil, balance the pH more slowly, and adjust to the microbiome that's living in there more slowly. So whether you're adding feather meal for nitrogen or bone meal for some phosphorus and calcium or lime to adjust your pH, you still want to add a good amount of compost. Not only will this help the overall nutrient level of your soil, but it's going to positively impact the soil composition, increase the soil water holding capacity, and feed the little microbiota that are crawling around in there, which in turn release more nutrients for your plants. Now, a compost is a good idea at any time of the season. It, too, is really most effective when done a few months ahead of the next round of planting. I can tell you firsthand, I have filled a raised bed with compost and planted directly into it and had results that were just fine. But it was the next season after the compost had had a chance to break down and be fed on by all of the life forms down in there that my beds really truly exploded. So it's worth the effort now. And bonus, you'll avoid the rush of everyone in the spring trying to go and get their compost. In fact, you can usually find bagged compost on sale or on clearance at this time of year. So that is a win-win. Now here's where containers might be a little bit different. It's usually a good idea to refresh your potting soil each season, either by completely changing out the soil in the smaller containers or by replacing at least half to two-thirds of the soil in larger containers. Now, this is completely up to you and based on how your plants have performed in the previous season in your containers. So if you properly amend your soils with compost in the off-season, in containers, at least the ones that stay out year-round. 
you likely won't need to change out the soil, although you'll still need to feed your plants as usual the following year. But in smaller containers and those that you put away for the season, you're going to want to compost that potting soil and just start over fresh in the spring. Now, the third thing that you absolutely want to do is to protect the soil. Now, this can be a little tricky if you've experienced pests this season, and I'll touch on that in a second. But you ideally do not want your garden soil and the compost that you've just added to it to be exposed to winter weather conditions. These conditions will contribute to erosion from wind or rain, and you've got the possibility of stripping the topsoil nutrients away through the freeze and the thaw cycle if you're in a climate that sees those types of temperatures. The easiest way to protect the soil is by using mulch. Yes, mulch, my favorite garden tool. Um, in the off season, it helps keep that soil in place. It prevents erosion and it protects the soil structure. It also protects the soil below from any weed seeds that might be carried in on the wind. And as a bonus, as the mulch begins breaking down over the winter, it's adding nutrients and organic matter to the soil without you needing to take any other action. Trust me, add a couple of inches of compost to the top of your garden soil, add another couple inches of mulch, and this doesn't matter whether it's straw or wood chips or bark mulch, even grass clippings are fine, and just let it sit. In the spring, all you'll need to do is pull back that mulch and you will have beautiful soil that doesn't need to be turned and that you can plant straight into without much fuss. Now, the only caveat to this is if you've had severe insect pressure and those insects are the type that either have eggs that overwinter in the soil or that overwinter as grubs or adults. So if the bug pressure the season before wasn't something that was absolutely devastating to your crop or your garden and you were able to manage it, then I wouldn't worry too much about the mulch providing a safe haven for those bugs. But if it was something that was devastating to a particular crop and you plan to grow that again the next season, or if a particular insect was hard on your entire garden then it may pay to take one of a couple of extra measures before laying down your mulch. Now, I'm not a huge proponent of tilling your garden every year just for tilling's sake. It destroys the soil structure that we are working so hard to improve and preserve. But one way to help get rid of insect pests is to turn that soil over and let it lay bare through a couple of freeze cycles before you add your compost or your mulch. This is going to expose the bug eggs or the larvae um, that are trying to overwinter in that first couple of inches of soil to those freezing temperatures and kill them off. Plus, wild birds love freshly exposed soil and are attracted to it, which also means that they end up finding those eggs and those larvae and eating them right out of your garden. If the pest pressure wasn't extreme, you can skip the soil turning part and just pull back the mulch to leave the ground exposed for three or four weeks during the coldest part of your winter. This allows the ground to really get a deep freeze before you cover it back up with the mulch. So now either of these methods does mean leaving the soil exposed for a period of time, but Covering it up as quickly as possible after one or two freeze cycles will prevent any long-term damage to the topsoil and the beneficial biota. 
Now, the other option for a shorter exposure time is to turn that soil over and then use a flame weeder. You, you know, I love that flame weeder. It's the same idea as destroying the weed seeds, but instead you're doing it to the eggs and the larvae. So you're burning off those culprits before laying down your compost and your mulch, and that should reduce the insect pressure significantly for the next season. It's not a guarantee, but any of those methods should help to eliminate some of the eggs or the larvae and still allow you to protect the soil through the off-season. Now, I mentioned a fourth bonus task, and this relates directly to both amending the soil and protecting it, and that is planting a cover crop. You may have also heard them referred to as green manure, but cover crops can be a really big help in the in-ground garden spaces, but it can also be practiced in raised beds and even smaller individual containers. A cover crop is any plant or group of plants that is seeded with the intent to slow erosion, improve soil health, smother the weeds, and or increase biodiversity in your garden soil. They add soil organic matter to your garden beds, they can attract beneficial insects, and they'll help retain water into the soil during the off season. Now cover crops don't have to be fancy, you just have to get the right ones for your area and the time of year. There are a few companies um, that I use that provide cover crop mixes with specific attributes in mind, and I will link to those in the show notes. But in general, you just want something that's going to stay put during the off season to keep the soil from eroding and something that will have a big enough root system that once those plants are killed off, will rot into the ground and give lots of organic matter for the soil bugs to consume, which again, releases nutrients back into the soil. I keep saying this, I know, but I promise I will do a couple of episodes on cover crops because they are a great help to gardeners of just about any size. And it's a concept that's been big in farming, but only recently have home gardeners really started to embrace it. And I think it's worth looking at. So, for instance, if your soil is lacking in nitrogen, you can look at planting cover crops that are in the legume family, like winter peas, or soybeans, clover, or vetch. These all fix nitrogen into the soil. If you need something that germinates quickly and provides substantial root mass to increase the soil organic matter, look at brassicas like mustard. Um, if you have heavy soils that need to be broken up, you can try daikon radishes. Anything you can plant that will hang on through the winter and provide cover for your soil can be considered a cover crop, and it will provide plenty of added benefits come spring. Simply mow it down or turn it over to kill it off just several weeks before you're ready to plant, and you will likely reap the benefits from that cover crop pretty much right away in the spring. So those are the three things that I think you absolutely shouldn't skip doing at the end of your garden season. Number one, clean up any and all debris. Number two, prepare your soil for next season. And number three, protect the soil. And of course, we have our bonus of planting cover crops. Do you have any other tasks that you perform without fail at the end of the season? Jump into the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group and let me know or tag me in a post on Instagram. I would love to know if there's anything that I have been remiss in doing. 
Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a fabulous week in the garden, or if you're already in the clutches of the cold weather, maybe dreaming of next year's garden. Either way, I'll talk to you again soon. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.